0: bibles turn to luke chapter 4 the gospel of luke chapter 4 and we are wrapping up a five-part series on favor somebody say favor and uh, man this has been a, a fantastic journey i pray this has encouraged you i pray that it's equipped you how many of you have appreciated this series that god has brought us through at last sunday if you were here last sunday didn't david ray do a fantastic job we ought to show our love and appreciation Pastor D.W., all day, David Ray. I could listen to him preach all day. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Luke chapter 4, this has been the the, the set of scriptures that have guided our conversation for five weeks. And the final installment we we will cover today. Luke 4, 18, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many of you are thankful that God will place His Spirit on His people? Have you ever had things jump on you and you knew that it wasn't from God? Oh yeah, the world will put some things on you, but it's amazing when God puts his spirit in you and the power of the Holy Spirit rests upon you. The Bible says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Somebody say favor. Notice what he says here. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he finishes this by saying, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Interesting thing about favor, and God kind of dropped this in my heart several weeks ago, and I couldn't wait to to get here today to share this with you because I think this is going to encourage us. We've looked at favor in a lot of different angles, but there's a unique angle that I I feel like God is, is wanting to talk to us about today as it relates to favor And it's interesting because sometimes we see favor as when God puts favor on your life, then everything kind of falls in place. And that is one aspect. It seems like everything is just falling in place. But sometimes God will put favor on your life and things don't fall in place, they fall apart. Come on, how many knows what I'm talking about today? Yes, indeed. My mama used to say, son, if you haven't run into the devil, you might be running with him. How many of you, your mama had her own translation of the Bible? Yeah, we see favor as being picture perfect, but you know, oftentimes if you read the scriptures and you study the men and women who were marked with favor, favor didn't come without a fight. Come on, can I have a better amen? So today I want to look at favor in the context of conflict. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down somewhere, favor doesn't come without a fight. Have you ever been in a fight? I see y'all are looking religious up in here. Maybe we need to rewind the clock a few days. How many of you in your BC days, before you came to Christ, how many's ever been in a fight? Yes, yeah, some of you know the pure joy of making a a closed fist connection. Now I'm not advocating violence. All right. But the truth is, there's conflict in this world. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) We're at the time of Christmas, and some of you know, tis the season, deck the halls. How many have some people you like to deck their halls a time or two? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe you've not been in a fight, but how many of you appreciate watching a good fight? Fellas, how many of you, when you when you go to see a movie, your wife makes a suggestion? You're not just into the romance side. You want to see some conflict. Somebody has got to swing. Okay, I want to see some action up in here. That's why we love Rocky, is it not? I mean, it's the timeless treasure for for generations. How many Rocky movies are out there right now? It's like how many. Nobody knows because they keep making one, two. There's like Rocky five. I've only cried five times in my life after watching Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky three. Love a good fight. My question to us today is this. Have we forgotten how to fight? Because God will put favor on your life. Now, I want you to watch how this works. Favor will distinguish you, but it will also put a target on you. Favor will set you apart, but it will also set you up. Come on, somebody. You see, favor creates conflict sometimes. And, and as I was studying the Scriptures and I was looking through different passages in the Bible, I noticed this current theme that's kind of threaded from Genesis to Revelation, that anytime God marks someone with favor, there was always conflict. Now, now I want you to write a definition down as it relates to favor. Okay, Favor com- includes three things. Favor is the guarantee of God's presence. Everybody say presence. It's the guarantee of God's presence. It's the provision of God's power. Somebody say power. To accomplish God's purpose. Somebody say purpose. So there's three aspects of favor. It's his presence. It's his power to accomplish his purpose. Do you know God has a divine purpose for you? God created you. Intentionally, you are here in this world on purpose, not just filling time, but fulfilling divine purpose. And favor is the guarantee of God's presence, it's the provision of God's power so that you and I can accomplish His purpose. Sometimes you have to go through a battle to embrace the favor of God. And in the time that we have remaining today, I want to look at three quickly, look at three different episodes. Men that were marked with favor, but the conflict that that created. And if you're taking notes, the first thing, I want you to write down this phrase, and I'll explain it in just a moment. But favor, number one, the Bible talks about favor for a moment. Favor for a moment. In Daniel chapter 3, the story of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you have heard that story before? Yeah, and if you're parents with small kids and you watch Veggie Tales, it's the story of Rakshak and Benny, Okay, very popular story. I mean, you don't even have to go to church to be familiar with the context of this story. But this story is filled with struggle. The Bible says that the the Israelites were taken into captivity. Over 10,000 exiles were taken from Judah into Babylon. And while they were there, they tried to reprogram the thinking of these boys They they, they brought them into the king's court for the purpose of rewiring their, their, their mind and their spirit. Teach them in the ways of Babylon, the literature, the customs, the culture of Babylon. Wanted to erase their biblical history and rewrite something new in their hearts. You know, I feel like we're living in Babylon today. How many of you know that through culture, through media, through Hollywood, through music, come on now. You can see the intentionality of trying to reprogram and rewire God's people. The Bible says Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they purposed in their heart that they would not defile themselves with the portion of the king's meat. In other words, they remembered where they had come from, what they were taught, the values that their parents had instilled in them. And even though they were in Babylon, Babylon was not in them. Can I tell you, you can be in Babylon, but Babylon does not have to be in you. The Bible says that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Just because culture says it doesn't mean that it's right. Come on, are you with me? And so they purposed in their heart that they would stay true to their godly heritage, their biblical convictions. The Bible says that they were ten times better than all of their peers. Read it in in Daniel chapter 1. It says, these boys were 10 times better. They looked healthier. They were smarter. They were wiser. Parents, can I tell you, it's okay to pray that over your kids. Lord, distinguish my kids. Set them apart from their peers. Make them 10 times better. Can I have a good amen? How many of you parents, you want your kids to stand up, to stand out, and to change their world? You can't blend into culture and change culture. God has made you different. In order to make a difference. Are you with me today? The Bible says these boys were 10 times better. But the king creates this law. He builds a statue, and the Bible says it's 90 feet tall and it's nine feet wide. And he says, here's what's gonna happen. Anytime the band begins to play, when you hear the sound of musical instruments, everybody, from from the greatest to the least, the youngest to the oldest, you will bow down to this statue that I have made in my image, and you will worship me. You know, there's always a pressure to bow. This story is about outside pressure trying to influence these boys. Now, there was a law that said when you heard the music, stop what you're doing, get on your face, and worship that statue. But I want you to know this, church. God will give you favor. Now watch what favor does. Favor will give you the strength to stand, even though everybody else bows. Favor will give you the strength to stand up. Now these boys could have said, you know what, here's what we'll do. Um, When the music plays, uh, we'll just kind of bend down and tie our shoe, right? Or, you know, maybe we'll do just a a quick push-up, you know, just getting our exercise in. We won't really bow, but these boys, what God had placed in them was greater than the influence around them. Favor gives you strength to stand even when the whole world bows. Let me ask you this. When you feel pressure come against you, what's your response? I pray that we are men and women of this book right here, that we don't bow to culture. Come on. We don't bow. I mean, government cannot legislate morality. God's word has declared what's right and what's wrong. Can I tell you this? Right is still right regardless of who opposes it. And wrong is still wrong no matter who agrees with it. I pray that God would give us as men and women such favor where we will stand up even when others bow down. The Bible says that the music played, And these boys, they stood straight up. They didn't blend in. They stood out. And so they were brought before the king. And the king says, now listen, it it has been brought to my attention that you boys are doing something different. I love that. I love that. We're not marching to the beat of every drum. We don't do something just because everybody else is doing it. How many of you know leadership isn't always going with the flow? Sometimes it goes against the flow. Now, there were consequences to standing, and you know that. The Scripture tells us that by order of the king, if you were to stand instead of bowing, the consequences are a fiery furnace. And so these boys stood before the king, and they said, King, we respect you, but we want you to know we're not going to bow. In fact, the God that we serve, how many of you know something about the God that you serve? They said, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from your hand. What were they saying? Now, we honor your civic authority, but there is divine authority that's even greater. God, you've written the book. Lord, you sit on the throne. Regardless of who's in front of us, we understand the power of the God inside of us. They said, King, we respect you, but we're not going to bow to your statue. The God that we serve is able to deliver us from your hands, but even if he doesn't. I pray that God would give us faith that's not based on an outcome. Are you with me? That we'll believe God anyway. We'll believe God whether we see the miracle or not. They were so committed in their heart that it wasn't the end result that motivated them. It was, if we perish, then we perish. If we've got to be martyrs and die for our faith, we're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. The Bible says that this king flew into a rage, and he ordered that the furnace be turned up seven times hotter. Now, notice, they were ten times better. These boys were ten times better. Now the furnace is seven times hotter. Do you catch this? Do you see where we're going here? What's happening when God puts favor on your life to be ten times better? The devil turns up the heat seven times hotter. Let me encourage you. When you turn up the heat in your relationship with God, the devil will turn up the heat on you. Mm. So the scripture says that these boys were thrown into the fiery furnace, and the king notices something. Watch this in Daniel 3, verse 24. But suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly. Suddenly, the king jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, wait a second, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Well, yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. Somebody say four men. They're unbound. They're walking around in the fire, and they're totally unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. What was happening? Favor was revealed in the fire. The king noticed something that he didn't recognize before. Wait, while I, one, two, three. three, one, two, three. Didn't we throw in three boys? Wait a second, one, two, three. I see a fourth. Can I tell you this? When you stand for God, he'll stand with you. Those boys stood for God in the field, and so God stood with them in the fire. I want to encourage you, for those of you at work, if you'll stand for God in your workplace, he'll stand for you when the fire of the enemy comes against you. Students, if you'll stand for God on your campus, then God himself will stand with you. Nebuchadnezzar says the fourth one looks like a god. What was he recognizing? The power of the presence of God with him. He says, guys, come on out. Come on out of here. Well, you don't even smell like smoke. How many like to grill? Can I tell you, you can't grill a burger and not smell like smoke for three days. Come on, talk to me. These boys, they didn't bend, they didn't bow, and guess what? They didn't burn. There was a fire on the inside, and I can just see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and here shows up Jesus. They're high fiving in the fire. What's up? What's up? Hey, pass me some of that sunscreen. SPF 8,000. Know, whoa, I feel like a Klondike bar up in here. Whoa. Listen, it doesn't matter what comes against you. The God who loves you is for you. And when He puts favor on your life, that favor will give you the strength to stand. Can I have a good amen? In that moment, these boys were marked with favor. The king says, Oh, time out, time out. New game, new game. Y'all boys get on out of here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, new rules. Forget that statue built to me. From now on, this whole kingdom is going to serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you know the final time, that, and you don't read any more about these boys. You don't. Daniel chapter 3 is the final time. It's the last time you hear their names. And the last time you hear their names, it's not about them, but it's about their God. It's saying, wait a second, new rules. We will serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can I tell you this? Favor is not about your name, it's about God's fame. Why does God put favor on a church? It's not about the name of this church. It's about the name of Jesus. God will put favor on you at your workplace, but it's not for you. It's the God that you serve. What if the people that you worked with, that you served with, that you did life with, if they looked at your life and said, well, wait, wait a second, I want to know your God. I want to serve your God. I've got to surrender my life to your God. See, God will put favor on your life in the moments that you need it the most. I can imagine these boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They grow up. They have kids. They have grandkids. They tell their grandkids this story of the fiery furnace. These grandkids are like, oh, no, not the fiery furnace story again. (laughs) And they say, look, the devil should have killed us when he had the chance. But see, favor will mark you even in the midst of fire. Somebody say favor for a moment. Number two, write this down. Favor for a season. Not just favor in a moment, but favor for a season. Remember the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. If you start in Genesis 37 and you read to Genesis 50, there are more chapters devoted to Joseph More things are written and said about Joseph than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob combined. This is a fascinating story. The word Joseph, I want you to consider this. The name Joseph literally means he will add, but yet it seems like Joseph's life was one subtraction after another. Joseph knew about fighting. He knew about favor and the struggle that would create. The Bible says that he was favored by his father, so his dad bought him a coat. It was a coat of many colors. Nod your head if this makes sense. Some of you have heard this before. It was a colorful coat. It distinguished him. It set him apart from his brothers. I mean, this was a high dollar coat. This was the Armani suit coat and all of his brothers were shopping the clearance rack at Walmart while Joseph is sporting. Hey, y'all like my threads? What's up? What's up? And every time his brothers saw that coat, something died on the inside of them. They hated Joseph for it. Listen, favor will not only distinguish you. Favor will put a target on you. The Bible says when Joseph was 17 years old, he had a dream. You ever had a dream? How many of you God has spoken to you in a dream before? I believe God still reveals himself through dreams and through visions. The Bible says that as a teenage boy, he had a dream. He dreamed about these bundles of grain. There were 12 bundles of grain, and yet one bundle rose up above the others. The other 11 bundles of grain begin to bow down. And so Joseph's like, hey, brothers, come check this out. Last night I had a dream, and there's these bundles of grain, 12 of them. There's 12 of us. One bundle was higher. That was me. The other bundles were lower. That was y'all. Aren't you excited for me? No, no, it gets better, guys. Look, and all of the other bundles were bowing down to me in recognition of my authority. That means, isn't this wonderful, guys? That means that one day you will bow down to me in honor of the favor of God on my life. Isn't this just fantastic? And they're like, no. (laughs) They see him one day as they're working in the fields, and they plot to kill him. Only they didn't kill him. They dug a pit and throw him in the bottom of it. I want you to check this out. Sometimes the favor of God will put you in a pit. Some of you feel like only God is there on the mountaintops. I want to tell you this. He's there in your lowest moments. And while he's in the bottom of that pit, he can hear his brothers making plans. Should we kill him? What what, what were we going to do? They sold him as a slave. And these Ishmaelite traders take Joseph all the way down to Egypt. I mean, he goes from being betrayed by his brothers to sold as a slave. He begins to serve in Potiphar's house. And you know, Potiphar had a wife. We don't know her name. We'll call her Miss Potty. (laughs) Fellas, beware of Miss Potty. Miss Potty thought Joseph was a hottie. And so she kind of makes a pass at him. He's like, whoa, no, 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 whoa got to do little highs. Whoa. And, And literally runs out of his coat, this coat now. See, the coat's always getting Joseph in trouble. This coat of many colors. Now he runs out of the coat, and Potiphar comes home, and his wife says, look, this Hebrew slave has mocked me. What happens? Joseph goes from Potiphar's house to prison, and yet the Bible says that even in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. I don't know where you find yourself, you may be in life's lowest moments, but the presence of God will meet you there. And while Joseph's in prison, these guys start having dreams. Guess who's interpreting the dreams? Joseph. Remember, Joseph had a dream when he was 17. Can't get his dream to come to pass, but he's telling everybody what their dream means. I'll tell you this. The man without a dream is always at the mercy of a man with a dream. And I pray that God will give you a dream and vision for what your life, what he wants your life to accomplish. One thing leads to another. Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it but a little Hebrew slave in prison. So they clean him up. They put a fresh coat on him. Again, the coat. They send him before Pharaoh. I want you to know this. You dress for where you're going and not for where you've been. Some of you, God's saying, it's time to put a new coat on. You're you're agonizing over the past. I've got something fresh for you in your future. He stands before Pharaoh, interprets the dream, and in one moment he goes to the prime minister of Egypt. From the pit to the palace. I'm telling you what, only the favor of God can do that. Joseph always lost favor with man, but he never lost the favor of God. Well, is this helping anybody today? I think somebody's received, I think God's wanting to encourage you because you have fallen out of favor with individuals. And God's saying, listen, I don't need the approval of man to accomplish my work inside of you. What God blesses, no man can curse. Now he's the prime minister of Egypt, and guess who shows up in front of old Joe? It's his brothers. Now watch this. Joseph had a dream at 17. Now Joseph's almost 40. He hasn't seen his brothers for 22 years. 22 years he had a lot of time to think about everything they had done to him. Famine hits in Canaan, and so his brothers travel to Egypt because there's plenty of grain. And guess who's overseeing the food program? It's Joseph. Guess who's bowing down in front of Joseph? His brothers. What do you think Joseph does in that moment? Here's his chance to seek revenge. Come on, somebody. How many of you might have a a few little tricks up your sleeve and premeditated the next time you'd see your brothers what you would do to them? There's only three people that are honest in church today. The rest of y'all lying, lying in the house of God. These brothers, they come and present themselves to Joseph, and after 22 years, look at what Joseph says to them. He says, brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position, why? So that I could save the lives of many people. Can I tell you this? Favor in the book of Daniel will give you the strength to stand. But favor in the story of Joseph will give you the power to persevere. Don't you dare give up. You may be in a bad place, but you still serve a good God. And I'm going to tell you, good people end up in difficult situations, not because they've made bad decisions. Sometimes the favor of God has produced fire. Sometimes it's produced a fight. But God wants you to know that he is with you even in your most difficult moment. Can I have a better amen today? Favor not just for a moment, but favor for a season. His life was marked by favor. I want to encourage you run when you can, walk if you have to crawl, uh, walk if you have to, crawl if you must, but don't you dare give up. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. Don't give up, don't throw in the towel. God is still with you. You know, I I visited with a a couple from our church several weeks ago, and they shared with me this story that I, I thought was powerful. They'd gotten pregnant so excited three kids and pregnant with the fourth but then miscarried in, in in february of this year distraught i mean just overcome with grief and sadness and it really their, their plans and their thoughts for their future it had turned their world upside down she had miscarried they didn't know the gender so they weren't able to give their child a name they, they there was no sense of closure And so carried it for months, you know, just trusting God, but finding it hard to move forward in light of their loss. Well, the the husband had a dream one night. And in his dream, this was a very vivid dream, he was holding a baby in his arms. And in his dream, somebody came to him and asked, who is that? And in his dream, he said, it's my daughter. Well, they asked, well, what's her name? He said, Anna, but I can't keep her very long. And immediately he woke up. He thought, well, that's strange. Trying to make sense. I mean, he's never had a dream quite like that. He shares it with his wife. He was holding a baby in his arms. It was a baby girl. Her name was Anna. They looked up the name Anna. You know what Anna means? Favored. Favored. They start talking about the favor of God They rewound the clock. When they miscarried, it was back in February. You know, in February on Vision Sunday is when we declared that the word for this year, the word for our church was favor. They miscarried in February. He has the dream on a Saturday night in November. You know, the next day we kicked off this series called Favor? The very next day, from the time that they miscarried to the time that he had the dream, she said, it's the favor of God, even in the midst of their struggle, the presence of God was with them. They, they remembered that Anna, the Hebrew name for Anna, is Hannah, and the story of Hannah, who presented Samuel to the Lord, they gave their daughter Anna to God and felt God telling them, "I have your child in my arms, she 's waiting for you when you get here." isn 't that a beautiful thing? that God would bring comfort to them in that season of sorrow and remind them, I'm still with you. Somebody say favor for a moment. Say favor for a season. Say favor for eternity. You know, you can't talk about favor and not talk about Jesus. When Jesus stood in that synagogue in Nazareth And he took the scroll of Isaiah. We read it in Luke chapter 4. But he took the scroll of Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because... And he listed all of those things to preach good news to the poor, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are captives, to free those who are oppressed. And this is what he says, And that the time... Notice all this is about time. And that the time of the Lord's favor has arrived What was Jesus saying to the church? What was he telling them? The time of the Lord's favor has arrived. Here's what he was saying. I want you to catch this. Some of you you that understand ancient history and the journey of Israel, there was what was called the year of Jubilee. How many of you, that sounds familiar? Maybe not know exactly quite what that is. but Okay, the year of Jubilee was simply this. Every 50 years in Israel, It was identified as the year of Jubilee, which meant as a Hebrew, if you were a slave because you couldn't pay your bills and so you were sold into slavery, the year of Jubilee meant that you would be declared free. Regardless of whether or not you could pay your stuff back, you were set free. All slaves were set free in the year of Jubilee. Also, all debts were canceled. Come on, how many would love to have a Jubilee right now? That house, those cars... That, that, that visa, come on, talk to me. Wouldn't it be great, the year of Jubilee, all of your debts, they go away. Somebody could get happy over that. So slaves were set free, all debts were canceled. And if you had lost any property, that property was returned to you. If you were the rightful owner, you got your property back, you were set free from slavery and all your debts were canceled. That was every 50 years in Israel. That was known as the year of jubilee. Watch what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, this is not a year of jubilee. He said, because I'm here, it's not once every 50 years. It's not once every 50 days. But because I am here, you will live in perpetual favor. Perpetual jubilee. Why? Because of the presence of Jesus. Notice what we said about favor. Favor is the guarantee of his presence. It's the provision of his power so that we can accomplish his purpose. When you have Jesus, you have everything. Not just favor for a moment, but you have favor for a lifetime. There's not a single moment. There's not a single day. It doesn't mean that things won't get tough. Come on, tell you, favor doesn't come without a fight. And some of you are in the middle of a fight right now, but know this, even in that pit, even in that fiery furnace, oh yeah, Jesus went through some things himself. He suffered, he bled, he died. They buried him in a tomb, but the scripture says three days later, and that same spirit that lifted Jesus up out of the ground, the Bible says that same spirit dwells in you. It dwells in, for those of us who've said yes to Jesus, That same spirit is alive in us. Favor for eternity. Somebody's eternity is affected forever because of the presence of Jesus. You know, and that's why on 320 Sunday, that's why we give. That's why we give. We've been talking for weeks about projects that the church, is, we believe God has put in front of us to move forward. But I want to say you this. 320 is not about a project, and it's not about a dollar sign. 320 is about eternity. It's about populating heaven. It's about souls. It's so the same Jesus that you know and love and serve, somebody else can experience that same. Not just here, but all around the world. Do you receive that today? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.